0: Hello and welcome to Genealogy Adventures. I'm Brian Sheffy,
1: and I'm Donia Williams. How are you guys doing this more this evening?
0: <laughs> Hope you guys are enjoying your Sunday wherever you are. So today we're going to be talking about the the facts in the myths of DNA estimates that we all get when we spit in a tube or um, submit a, a little cheek swab to uh, the major DNA testing companies. And the reason, and Donia is going to jump in this in a minute. The reason why we wanted to revisit this topic again, because we know it's something that we've spoken about a couple of times, is we just keep still just seeing the same kinds of questions being asked on just a proliferation of Facebook genetic genealogy and, and genealogy related on um, re- related communities and groups.
1: Yes, um, my biggest issue as far as all of that is concerned is how the um, the big DNA places don't cover. Don't share the fact that they need to be letting people know exactly what the DNA does. Mm. You know, you have to, and and where to where to go as far as all of that is concerned. Um,
0: Well, I've got a good question for you, Donia. Where do you think some of this from from the consumer, from our perspective, where do you think some of that confusion is coming from, or confusion about expectations about what those tests actually do?
1: Um, it's not that there's a confusion about what the tests do. It's more or less, you know, I think well yeah. yeah. It's a confusion about what the tests do. You're right. And I think that they are they don't understand that the, the tests are actually something that will give information about family. When, when the big companies talk about it, they talk about ethnicity. You know, you even have, we don't, we didn't, we're not including African ancestry in this, but you got African ancestry, ancestry ancestry.com, my heritage, um, family tree DNA, so on and so forth. And you're looking at all these things and every last one of them, they push ethnicity. They push, where do I come from? They don't, they throw in, oh, you might find a family here or there. I mean, I've literally seen the ancestry co- commercials actually say that. Oh, and you might find a cousin here or there. That's it's, it's so much more than that. Mm-hmm. So, and and those are things that they, I think, people need to understand. That's why when I'm talking to someone, I always always tell them, um, you guys, we need to. If you want to get into DNA, let's have a discussion about it before you get into it so you can understand it. And then I go into and if you do DNA, you need to know which one is the best one for you to go to, because if you don't want to be contacted, then you don't want to go to Ancestry because Ancestry is a contacting spot, point blank.
0: So, remind me again, you did tell me this the other day. Which one of the big kind of commercial testing companies can you join if you just, if you don't want to be contacted? 23andMe.
1: 23andMe will allow you to block it completely. And if that's all you want, go to 23andMe. I don't know if if Family Tree DNA does it or MyHeritage. I don't think that they allow you to block, but yep. I know for a fact that 23andMe will allow you to block. You are anonymous. It gets to the point where your name can be removed from that DNA family list that pops up that you start to create. Your name will be removed from it. You'll never... Matter of fact, if you was to choose Brian right now to say... Um, I don't want to be a part of it. You could do that. And in doing so, your name will come right off of my mother's list. You disappear. I didn't know that. Yes, you will disappear. I'm going to interrupt for one second. Of FIBA, are we on Facebook? Yes. I'm not getting any live videos. Okay. I have have the live video on my phone right now. I'm watching it from your page. Oh wow! Okay, why well, I can't see it? Okay. <laughs> I want to see like seeing our people.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you just probably have to refresh it, I, but you know, that's that's really good to know about twenty three and me. I I didn't I didn't realize that you could actually have total anonymity.
1: Yeah, twenty three and me will allow you to do total anonymity. You don't. I mean, I had a cousin who tested and she removed herself. I had another cousin who tested and I didn't know he tested until he told me and then he allowed me to see his stuff and then he removed it again so he went because he wasn't ready you know he wasn't ready to be contacted or anything like that and 23andMe is a perfect spot for that okay but please stop coming to Ancestry and um and doing this test and ancestry and then when people are trying to contact you you not respond back because that literally is a spot where everybody is researching and everybody wants to know and everybody is trying to figure out something
0: and what you what you did as a leisurely pastime or for a bit of a giggle you could actually be, or your your DNA could actually be the missing link, the the all important answer to someone who's trying to figure out who they're descended from. Okay. So you, kind of, so you kind of think it's a game, but the people, some of the people that you're going to be matching, that's really crucial information for them.
1: Okay, that's exactly <laughs> it.
0: Now, some of the things that really frustrates me, I wish the big companies could move away from their kind of glossy marketing pitches and expensive TV advertising that make it seem like, oh, you know, this is a fun hobby. Oh, let me spit in a tube and and find out what I am. Yes. I wish they would tell. I wish they could prepare people better, because once you spit in that tube or take your cheek swab, you don't know what you're going to get back. So you're doing something for a bit of a giggle, and then you find out that great-grandpa was the product of a non-paternity event. Yeah. Or you find out that your dad was part of a non-paternity event. Or you find out that you're adopted. I haven't really seen any of the companies be that kind of transparent about that.
1: They aren't. I don't think that they are. I don't think I don't think they're transparent about any of those things. Like I said, the only thing that those companies actually do is they they push the ethnicity report. They push yeah. where I come from.
0: Which again can be really problematic because I'm thinking about some of the ancestry um commercials. I remember the one this guy said that he thought he was German. Yes. And then he finds out that he's Italian. Yeah. You know, kind of laughing and blah, blah, you know, kind of laughing and really upbeat about it. But for someone else, that could actually destroy their sense of identity. Right. You know what I mean? They grow up with the family tales of, oh, you know, we're Irish-Italians. Oh, wait a minute. No, we're not. Actually, we're Irish and, you know, Irish and French. Right. <laughs> Which can really throw people for, um, for a bit of a bit of a loop. Exactly. I also wish that the DNA t- testing companies would be far, far, far more transparent about how they work, where those estimate numbers actually come from. Yes. And I'm, I'm going to give an extreme example. And this is just a made up one. I haven't come across this, just wrote for complete transparency. But say, you know, you're going into your DNA results and you see that you match 30, you know, it says that you're 30% Yoruba. So, you know, Oh, you know, I'm Yoruban. You know, I finally, I finally have my tribe. But what you may not realize is the reason why you got a thirty percent, thirty percent on that one is because you match, maybe, I don't know, five Yoruba people with Yoruba ancestry in Africa out of a possible pool of, say, two thousand people that came from that same country.
1: Wow. Okay. So <laughs> I'm being, I'm you- being checked. Sorry. I'm being checked right now on on the show. Um, because I finally got my thing going. (laughs) (laughs) And both Kaylee and Martha, they are both saying that ancestry allows you to opt out of matching. And that's awesome. If they do that. True. Okay. That's awesome. If they if they do that, that that's awesome. Because but I don't I still say the same thing. I don't understand why you would go to somewhere like Ancestry where that is a researching spot and people are actually doing research on that spot and you do DNA and then decide to opt out. That's crazy to me. But if you can opt out, then by all means do so. Don't not answer. You know, it's it's crazy.
0: But the thing is, what I wish is for for that level of transparency so that people can actually see, because all of these estimates are generated from things that are called data sets. So someone has gone, they've either purchased results that other scientists have done, or they've gone into this countries and they've come up with their testing parameters. Like you have to have four or five generations who are all living, you know, all of your ancestors have to be living in, oh, I don't know, Cameroon, for instance for five mm-hmm. generations. Um, they need to make that much that much more uh, clearly documented, but to say how many people they actually tested, and then how many of those people that you actually match. Because like right. I said, if I'm getting 30% Yorubin, but I'm only matching two people, or sorry, that's gonna be a low number, say about 10 people out of the data set of thousands, then that's kind of telling me, well, my ancestry, you know, what's going on with the, that Yoruban community in Cameroon, and maybe my actual ancestry lies in an ad- more in an, an adjacent country right. uh, than, it, than it does there. It's going to have all kinds of permutations, but again, because few of them are that transparent, that's why so many of us get such radically different t- percentage results when we start testing at multiple. DNA, DNA sites. Like my ancestry results, some of them bear some semblance to family tree and my heritage, but then other ones are like way out. Right. Like So, com- go ahead. Like completely out.
1: Well, LaBrenda says, DNA, she said, DNA standards adopted by the Board of Certifications of Genealogists do require that test takers be informed of the potential for emotional distress such as such as that caused by uncovering unknown relatives. And that's true. They will do that. But these companies don't set out for that. They like they don't they just don't set out for that. They don't advertise that. They don't put that out there. And um, that's one of my issues as far as all of these companies are concerned.
0: Well, and the only
1: company huh?
0: Here's a question for you, Danya. So I wouldn't want to see an answer, like a DNA testing advertisement like uh, an American prescription drug. You know, this drug does all these wonderful things, but there's all these, you know, all of these side effects. But they're, so I don't know if I would, so I'm just want to get your thoughts on this. I don't know if I would go to that extreme, but I think that there should be some caveats that they're really upfront and transparent about.
1: I agree. And then, and that's, that's my issue. They're not, they, again, they, they, that post only when you i mean you guys pay attention to those ancestry if you see an ancestry commercial that comes on watch what it talks about they talk about their ethnicity where they come from um how this person did this and they were doing this you know i found my grand. when they're talking about who they found they're talking about the documents This it's like it's a total difference they talk about who they found they're talking about the documents but when they're talking about their dna it's specifically about ethnicity. It does not go into the fact, and oh yeah, by the way, because of the, D- the DNA testing that I did, I also found out that I had a non-paternity event. You know? <laughs> I mean, they're not gonna go into it in that manner like that, but it's still gonna, it's not, they're not gonna cover it. You got all, I, I have um, I have a cousin whose daughter is doing research. And she sent me a message last week while we were on talking about, oh, my God, she's found all of these different people. I'm not ready for this. That's because you weren't told about it. You know, you you didn't realize exactly what this is going to do. Even with documents, you're going to find out stuff that you never thought you would find out, you know, even with documents. You're going to find another child. It's
0: another kid in it. Now, the other thing that I've noticed as well, maybe European-descended Americans are kind of programmed in a different way to accept the fact that they're going to have ethnicities from different parts of, of Europe so even though someone might be predominantly irish they're like oh wait hey cool i've got a little bit of scandinavian in my dna or a little bit of english or scottish but you know we never knew that knew, never knew it existed and they kind of take it in their stride and they, they they adapt it what i'm new and again this is a conversation that we've had before mm-hmm. i have seen a lot of african descended people in america who do the dna tests and they fixate on just one tribal people mm-hmm. one one ethnic one african ethnic group and i guess what frustrates my soul is unless you know we know how many grandparents great grandparents going back to like you know 10 you know 10 times great grandparents we all have for you to only have for you to only identify with one african ethnic group is impossible because they were bringing africans from all from all over you know a lot of different places in Africa, that would mean that every single one of your ancestors could have only been from that that one specific ethnic group. And that's that's just a, a statistical impossibility.
1: That's the issue that I have with African ancestry because African ancestry will tell people that they can let you know exactly what tribe you come from. That is totally impossible. And the reason why I say it's impossible, because you have to actually look at, we have our parent and two grandparents, and, wait, I'm sorry. You got, okay, just looking at it from my mother's side. I have my mom, her grandparents, then their parents, which makes it four great-grandparents, then all of their parents, which makes it eight great-great-grandparents, mm-hmm. and then 16, and then 32, and then 64, and then 128. Once you're getting into that 128 stage, that's what, the fourth great-grandparent? Fourth or fifth? Yep. Yeah, that's like fourth or fifth great-grandparents. You mean to tell me that all 128 of those people came from the same tribe? That's a lie.
0: Because I'll give you an example. This is the Weeping Time research that involves Butler Island and, and um, the coastal islands of um, of Georgia. So you have someone like Major Pierce Butler, who was a major a- importer of Africans into um, South Carolina and Georgia. So he wasn't even getting all of his enslaved slave pe- he wasn't even importing enslaved people from the same place. He was. Imp- I have to check my, I'm looking at my notes now. Cameroon, Angola, Gambia. So already he's importing Africans from three different places three different, in Africa. Yeah. Now the difference with them is because that they were such isolated communities and they were basically interbreeding amongst themselves with the occasional European DNA being introduced. Even they couldn't, even that population of people couldn't claim one tribal affiliation in Africa. You just, you just, they just, they just couldn't.
1: Right. And you know, I was getting my hair braided one time. And when I was getting my hair braided, um, my, the person that was braiding my hair, she was like, you know, we're taught our history. And she actually told me, and I think I shared this with you one time, and I might be wrong, but I'm telling you this came from someone else. And this is something that I have to, you know, go into, but it's interesting nonetheless. According to this lady, Sierra Leone was created from all the people that were left Mm -hmm. when the, um, once the, the slave trade stopped, these were folks that were left. So these were people that were transported from different areas of, or different countries in Africa, because eventually they were going to be imported over to you know it going into that slave trade but when nobody ever came back for them Sierra Leone was created so Sierra Leone in itself is a mix of different countries because these people stayed there made their own life right there so we're talking about an entire group of people who are mixed with a whole bunch of others
0: and I'm just what? I'm gonna I'm gonna add an extra wrinkle to the wrinkle that you just that you just brought up. We have free people of color in America who started going back to well not back to they went to Sierra Leone and Liberia, starting in the early 1700s, going all the way through to the early 1900s. So you have all of that hybridized Amer- African American DNA going back over the Atlantic to those two countries. Because I got excited about three or four years ago because I'm like, oh, cool, I'm matching someone in Liberia. I've got a Liberia cousin. We started working on his on his genealogy. Come to find out he's a he's a descendant of a family called the Outlands from Rich Square, Northampton Ham- North County. Right. North Carolina. That's why, that's why he was a match. So we didn't, even though we shared an African ancestor, we shared an American ancestor. African ancestor. Wow! Not, not, not an actual African ancestor.
1: So Harold, I mean not Harold. Um, Hamad said, "What's the difference between ancestry and my heritage? Is it worth getting both?" In my opinion, you don't have to get my heritage <laughs> because you can upload your DNA onto the MyHeritage site. Mm. And still get the same results um, that you would get if you were to purchase the kit or not. But Ancestry for, for me is the best spot simply because that's where we have our trees and our trees can connect to it like that. Whereas every other spot, we have to go search on Ancestry and then go back to the tree. Everything is right in one particular spot.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna say that if you're Jewish or you have Jewish DNA, My Heritage awesome.
1: Because oh,
0: wow. so many Jewish people and Jewish descended people have tested there. So again, um, if you don't identify as being Jewish, but you have Jewish DNA and you wanna to try to work out the ancestor that contributed that to you, My Heritage is an awesome site, I have to say.
1: Okay,
0: which is you know going back to something that Donia um, said at the top of the show, always have a very good understanding of what it is that you want to achieve by DNA testing in the first place, and that will kind of guide, hopefully, guide people to to making choices that are that are right and good and appropriate appropriate for them. Yeah, I mean, I uh,
1: I think that that's the best move. You know, I as as. As researchers who help others and there are a lot of them on on here today. Um Labrenda and Deborah and, and we even got Ellen. Ellen Butler is up here and you know, so I want to say hi to you guys. Hey guys. Um, yeah, I want to say hi. You guys have not I haven't talked to you in a while, but we got a lot of them up here, and I think we all at some point or another um, have to be responsible. If no one else is being responsible to make sure that we let them know, now I'm I'm not certified, um, but I've been doing this for so long. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: You know, I I'ma do it. I'ma be. I'ma become. I I'ma go through the steps and become certified. Um, but mm-hmm. until that time, until I do those things, I see that I'm already on some of the stuff. That was said, like Lebranda said, the board certification. They, you have to talk to them about it before you go through it. Well, that's something that I already do. I refuse. I am not gonna let anybody that I'm working with um, do DNA without having that discussion. Yeah. And you know, it's it's just that simple because I've seen the I've seen the effects of it. You have some people who are happy that they found a non-paternity event, that they found a sister or a brother. And then you have those that are not, they're, they're not happy. And it wasn't that person's fault that they were born. It just wasn't. Nor was it the person's fault that happened to be the one to find them. It's not that person's fault either. Because nobody can be found unless the other person tests. Mm-hmm. And these are things that people don't get and don't understand. Understand, you can't be found if if you if you
0: don't want to be. I, you know. Now, what we've been talking about up up to this point has been autosomal DNA tests. Right. I'm going to also say that if you if you're a male and you do a Y DNA test, and if you're a woman, if you do the mitochondrial DNA test, you're not even going to get one ethnic affiliation even with those, because when you start digging into the the segments you can start tracking the, the, the evolution of that DNA. So using my mother's mtDNA results as, as an example, she got an ancient clear signal for the Eastern Horn, the Horn of Africa on the East Coast. And you could almost plot her matrilineal lines progression across Africa, starting from the oldest part of, part of the mtDNA to the newest, well, to the most, to the most recent, relatively speaking, like over the last 1,000 years. And you can actually map how they went from the East Coast to Africa. They went to Lake Chad. then they kind of dipped a little further south. But they steadily went across all the way over to the west until so they ended up in Cameroon, mm-hmm. which, is where, which is where they came from. So even that, you can't just identify with one African group of people. Right. You can say up until 1,000 years ago, the mtDNA is with Cameroon. Go a 1,000 years before that, seems to be coming from the Congo region. A 1,000 years before that, it's Lake Chad. But without wanting to sound like Donnie Downer, um, (laughs) there are interesting ways that you can use DNA, and this is something else that I wish that the big DNA testing company... Actually, I wish they would focus on this more than the find that, you know, oh, you can wear a to ballet and or, you know, whatever kind of Leidenhosen or whatever kind of ethnic garb. You can get really good clues, ancestral clues using DNA. So I'll explain. Now, my Jewish great-grandfather was pretty easy to figure out because I got this wedge of 20% Ashkenazi Jewish DNA from Belarus. Well, there's only one person that, that could have been. That was great-granddad. So it was kind of helpful to know that that's what he was to kind of narrow down, who you know, who this missing man was. But like my four times great grandmother, Venus Jossie, she's the reason why I have. Um, is it Beninese? Is that the right? Is that the correct way of saying someone from Benin? Yeah, yes.
1: <laughs> I would say just someone from Benin.
0: <laughs> if anyone wants to correct me, I'm open for it. But I'm, I'm going to say ben, Beninese DNA because uh, we found out that she came from Benin. Benin. So, um, that was, you know, that was really good to confirm. I know that I, the reason why I have Angolan is because I have ancestors like Henry Kumbi, Anthony Johnson from, from Virginia, all those Angolans that came over that were here in 1619 and 1620. So they're, they're you know, but it's the, working with the paper trail, reading a lot of books, doing a lot of research, and then it's kind of cool to be able to actually put names to those to those results i'm right. not even i'm not even worried about the the percentage just just the results right so and for you um for your dad's side of the family i would imagine you would be looking more one for any kind of connection to barbados and then when you get those connections to barbados and you can see the just the rough admixture that they yeah. have yeah that will, that will make your Add mixtures make more sense.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Because um, can- a lot of, of um people who who have who were um, adopted and found their family, and they had that's responding up here today. It, it's actually very awesome. You. Are you looking at this? <laughs> I mean, you guys are—you guys are really giving a story, and I'm so glad about it. And I, I shared this in um, the genetic genealogy um, page, so I'm hoping that some of them will jump in and help, and you know, try to explain certain things about it. Uh, LaBrenda made the comment that when that men have the mitochondrial DNA, also they just don't pass it on, and that's something that a lot of people. Don't understand. You know, that's where that where you go back to um, high school biology and you learn about your X chromosomes and your Y chromosome and how you have the men have X, Y and the women are XX. Well, the X is women. It stands for women, while the Y stands for man. And this is how a child is born. You know, this is who this this is where you know that a man decides whether a female is going to have a male or a female child because he's either going to pass on that X chromosome or he's going to pass on that Y chromosome. If he passes on that Y chromosome, then you're going to have a boy. If he passes on the X chromosome, then you're going to have a girl. And a lot of people don't seem to take that high school biology and apply it to what this is. But that's the whole thing about, um, to me, that's the whole thing about genealogy. You take your, your old school learning and you can now apply it and then learn more from it and make it right. Because mm-hmm. I'm telling you, history, I loved history in school, but something was missing. Every time I did, you know, it was always something missing. And now that I've done my genealogical research, now I know what's missing. You know, it's it's there. And these are these are things that are, um, people need to start like really using common sense and yeah. just be like, oh, you know what? I didn't know that. You know, it's, I think that's what it, but that's just me.
0: So I'm happy to take questions on what I'm gonna, I'm about to say, cause I hope it's not gonna be confusing. Cause even though I've dismissed the percentage of the ethnicity, One thing that those percents can give you is an indication of the recency that ethnicity entered into your DNA. I'm going to use a couple of examples. So I have Native American ancestors, but I don't have much in the way of Native American ancestry. My sister seems to have inherited a little more of of it than I did. My brother and I are pretty much on par. Well, the reason why we have such a low level of Native American DNA is because that stopped being introduced into our genome by about 1715. I think pretty sure that was the last kind of full-blooded Native American ancestor that we had. So from 715 to when I was born in the 1960s, that just steadily decreased because it wasn't being, it was no longer being introduced or introduced in any great number into into the genome. So the fact that I have like it varies every time ancestry updates it go, it can go up, it can go down, but it's it usually stays about the one point three mark percent mark that's telling me that's old, you know that but, really
1: see here's my thing about Native American and and y'all may come after me for that, but before I say this, David Lawrence Grant said it's pronounced Beni Benin was.
0: Benny was French, W-A-H-Z. of course. W
1: A H Z. So Benny Was.
0: Thank you. Um, Ms. Bart. but
1: yes. <laughs> but a, a court a, from what I have been told by my Sheila, um, Native Americans really don't test. They don't do it. So you know though, how,
0: they have a good so how,
1: yeah, they have good reason as to not test. But here's the thing. So how do you know that that's Native American DNA?
0: The people what that is, i match. Huh? the people that I match and they're you know, they've got well researched trees.
1: Okay. Cause I've always wondered that. I'm like, cause my mom, you know, according to my mother, her grandfather was full blood Native American. But if that's the case, this is her grandfather. She should have a huge percentage.
0: Yeah, she should. Well, if it's, she is it's her, her grandfather?
1: <laughs> it's her grandfather. Her father, it's her father's mother,
0: Papa Johnny. If, if, she's said, not, if she's not showing any Native, especially at that generational level, if she's not showing any Native American, then it's just not there.
1: That's, that's was, my point. That's my point. But then my cousin Richard, he shows it. But is he showing it from his father's side, which would be my mother's first cousin. Her, His father is my mom's first cousin. Mm-hmm. or is it from his mom's side?
0: Because at this his, point... Are are his parents related in any way?
1: Oh, come on now. I
0: <laughs> I gotta ask, because if they're not, then it's clearly coming from his mother's side.
1: At this point, I don't... I mean, I'm not saying that mom doesn't have any Native American, but it's like For just grandpa- under, it's like, one
0: a... For a grandparent? She's she supposed to her? have
1: more than what she has, most definitely.
0: Yeah, she should have a, a healthy, a yeah, healthy. She,
1: health, she should have a double digit percentage yeah, of Native American right. um, DNA. But my mom has like 1.6. It's
0: I like. Bet, I bet you anything that's Billy. I bet you anything that's Billy the Indian who was enslaved by Thomas Peterson and Newburgh.
1: Yeah, I mean, but but to, so to say that, cause she says that at five years old, she remembers going to Papa Donnie's funeral and him laying in the cabinet. And you know, older people, when they talk about somebody being Native American, they come up with the hair. She was like, but he was dressed in full native garb. And during, you know, in this funeral, and his hair just went all the way down. So not only was it the hair, she said it was the native. She remembers it. That's one of the things that she remembers as five years old. But you don't give me the DNA for that, nor I don't even have the DNA for that. You know, even my percentage should be higher than what it is. None of us should be under one you know, none, of, none of us should be single-digit, technically. Maybe my daughter, when she tests, or, you know, my children start to get to the single digits. But I think even I should have a, a double-digit number as far as Native American DNA. And I don't. It's all single. Every, everyone who has tested so far, it's a very, very small amount, a trace amount.
0: But again, for for our family in, in South Carolina, I'm only aware of one documented Native American who was enslaved by a family that enslaved our family. So no doubt there's more because um, you know we've only taken that research back to what 1750s. So who you know who knows what happened before that point. Um, but what I'm saying, is if that DNA isn't steadily coming into your gene pool it's gonna wash out event, you know, within within a couple of generations.
1: Yeah, Labrinda said, um, Skip Gates says, it's because no one wanted to claim European ancestry, so anyone with long, dark hair was part Indian. I don't know. I mean, my thing is, as far as that's concerned, if you're not claiming European ancestry, then is again, is it really Native American? DNA that we're looking at, because you have a whole bunch of Europeans who are claiming Native American ancestry. It's a rock of them claiming Native American ancestry, but they're white. So if, if that's the case, what kind of DNA are we looking at? That's the only portion of DNA that I truly truly question learning well, the fact that there's there's not a lot of Native Americans who are Testing and then looking at the fact that you have a lot of European um, European folks who are claiming Native American ancestry. I'm confused with it
0: well again that's either a conversation that has happened is happening or ought to happen within the the native american community i'm i'm not aware of those discussions but if anyone should be able to set that criteria or to just to, to kind of have ownership of that conversation it should be native americans
1: yeah um, and and i agree with that i definitely I, I definitely agree with that and i think even um. Chief Langley made some comments about that before, because they
0: don't test. Well, because, again, given Native American history with the American government, I can't blame them for that. Because you don't—they don't know how their DNA is going to be used against, against them.
1: Right.
0: Because there's, you know, there's always that. Um, so as I was saying, sometimes, so even though I wouldn't hold too much stock in the percents. In and of themselves, the ethnicity percentages, they can give you an idea of recency. So if you're hitting the twenty percent mark on anything, that means could mean a few a few things. Either you have a lot of ancestors who came from that part of the world, or it's very recent DNA. It's like my right. my, my Jewish great grandfather is perfect. He is the only Jewish, fully Jewish ancestor that I have within nine nine generations. So that's the reason why I, I have so, such a large amount of Jewish DNA, because it was relatively, you know, it was introduced into the, the family genome in 1910. That's not that long ago. Whereas my Nigerian mystifies me. Because that's, a, that's I think it's about, the Nigerian apparently accounts for almost a quarter of my, my 30 odd percent of African DNA. So that's substantial amount yeah i have not come across a documented ancestor coming from from nigeria so i'm i'm stumped it's clear clearly i have it clearly i've got more than more than one nigerian ancestor so what that's kind of telling me is there are a lot of nigerians coming in and this can also help your research if you can figure out who the main importers Operating out of certain African countries were, and where they were bringing them into the United States, can be a lead for you in terms of doing your research. So, doing the weeping time, knowing where the where these importing African importing families were importing the Africans from, because they advertised. You look at the coloni- South Carolina Gazette, colonial newspaper. Uh, saying things like, you know, pure, you know, Butler and Middleton importing 300 prime Negroes from Angola, 1753. So I've got it, you know, it gives the name of the ship, it gives the name of the captain, how many people were, you know, how many um, enslaved people were on the ship, where it landed in, in Charleston, South Carolina, and what the sales date was going to be. Mm. So I've got five major key pieces of information that I can use to, one, try to figure out which one of the enslaved Africans I descend from, but I've got a specific place to look. So, you know, at some point, um, someone from the, the research project team will be going to Gambia, Angola, and um, Cameroon to hopefully find find further records, further records that are in there.
1: Yeah, I would love to do that. <laughs> For
0: more
1: <laughs> reasons. than <what. laughs> Um, one person, Jay Spears, says it's a comment from Jerome. Uh, it says, "If you are, if you are able, the beauty of Y DNA, mtDNA, and AT DNA testing with multiple testing companies can provide the researcher with all kinds of clues to compare, contrast, mm-hmm. and dramatically further your overall understanding of who you are. Test all available siblings, parents, aunts, uncles, and cousins, if you can." To get even better insights, and then he says, "Loving your discussion." Thank you so much.
0: <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> so hopefully, you know, I know that I was a bit harsh about DNA testing to start with, but hopefully, you know, within the, this last half an hour, what Donnie and I've been chatting about, getting you to think about those percentages and those reports in a in a different way. That right. you know, there there are usable clues just not the ones that the DNA companies kind of go on about.
1: (laughs) Um, A.E. Barlow says, what about the Cinnamorgans? Can you explain those numbers?
0: Uh, Can I do that in the time that's left? (laughs) I might write an article about that, but honestly, Google the name Roberta Estes. So that's Roberta, and then it's E-S-T for Tommy, E-S. She is like the queen of that kind of in-depth discussion. Um, we're trying very hard to get her on the show. Uh, I would love to have her on the show. Um, she's a good one. And there's another so there's another website or blog called DNA Explained. Yeah. Also awesome. Um, and then there's the in and out. I can't remember what it stands for. It's called ISOG. I S for sugar. O G G the International Society of Genetic Genealogy. I that's think that's what that's it, what that, that's what it that's stands what it for. So any one of those three and I, I'll um, Donnie can you remind, can you remind me later to actually post links to each one I, of those? I've
1: already put Google um, I, I put Google Roberta, Roberta Estes up there and I'm going to tell them about I'm getting ready to write ISOGG and who else?
0: Uh, DNA explain. DNA
1: Explained. DNA Explained.
0: Okay. Yeah. Excellent question, by the way, but yep. the answer to that is longer than we what, what I've got time for.
1: <laughs> ISOGG has a Facebook group. They do. They, it's they a group. do. So look up the Facebook group, ISOGG. I'm putting that up there.
0: But and, basically things like centimorgans and SNPs, just to give you a really bog-standard layman's kind of explanation, is th- those are just numbers that tell you how much dna you share with matches so in things like in terms of the length of the segments that um that you match on um because there's a whole discussion about that because you know people are you know people and it's it's a good conversation it's a good debate to have um, you know whether sh- small amounts of shared DNA are valuable, useful, reliable, um, correct? Because again, with DNA testing, especially if you're dealing with really, really small segments, you can get things like false positives. You can get things like false negatives. So it's it's not a straightforward answer.
1: Right. Um, La Brenda gave some stuff. She's she says cinnamorgans are not physical dis- dentists distances they are estimates based estimates based on probabilities and then she said the higher the cm the more closely you are related that's the that's the basis of it of what what the cinnamorgans mean what those numbers mean the close you know the higher the number is because you can but the thing about huh
0: i was also quickly going to say and also an indication of how recently your comment at what generational level your ancestor is
1: See, but now here's the thing. Now I'm getting ready to bring Edgefield into this, this circle. Um, you know, we can't we can't do this show without speaking of of Edgefield. And the reason being not because that's where our research really kind of takes us, but because I'm getting ready to let all of you know that if you have research in the Edgefield area, you're going to be opened up to every possible thing you can think of. And that's why Edgefield is always brought up. That's why the 96th district is always brought up. So when you do that, this is why we we bring it up. So with that being said, is there a problem? And I don't know if you can answer this in this particular time period. Does the DNA that's mixed in our family does it call a cause an issue? So, in other words, I have a cousin who without his DNA, we with his DNA, we found out that his father and mother were related. So because his father and mother is related, is he getting double dosage of DNA? And does that make his DNA higher, making him a higher match to my mom? Because he's getting DNA from both sides because apparently his mother, his father is also related to my mother. And his mother is her niece. You understand what I'm trying to say?
0: Well, you and I share way more DNA for what are we? We're fourth cousins to each other. Then then we should because we just share too many, too many damn common ancestors.
1: <laughs> right. We're only listed as fourth cousins. And the funny thing is, is that on all of the different sites, they put us as fourth cousins. Every last one of the sites,
0: mm-hmm. my
1: heritage, family tree, um, uh, ancestry, and even the the jet match, they all make Brian and I fourth cousins. But guys, me and Brian share eight different lines.
0: Eight And we know we have more once we get you out of South Carolina. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we not we know leave we'll, South.
0: Because we know we're going to share common ancestors in North Carolina. We know, we, we know we're going to share even more common ancestors back in Virginia.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, we know some of the Virginia ones, we, because those are the ones that travel from Virginia to, to the 96. And uh-huh. thank you for correcting me, LaBrenda. It's not Edgefield. It's the 96 that is the issue. You know, that place, if you have people that come from there, you know, put on your big girl or your big boy underwear because that place is going to give you the headache of a lifetime and you'll understand why I curse so much.
0: Well, I'm glad you brought <laughs> that up because wait until I have the pleasure of introducing you to places like Northampton County and um, North Carolina, Halifax, Warren, Mecklenburg, then up in Virginia, you've got Southampton County again, Mecklenburg, all through the t- through the tidal the tidal region, and Northern Neck. It's just cousins marrying cousins, marrying cousins. Honest, where our ancestry is concerned, there's there's no getting away from it. And again, same with some um, people who had pioneering ancestors who went into like the really early settlers of Tennessee and Kentucky, coming out of Virginia. Pennsylvania, and North Carolina again, because there were so few families there. They were just marrying each other over and over and over again.
1: Yeah, yeah. So Henry was like eight. And yes, Henry, it is about it's eight. And we, yeah. we do expect to find more. Um, mm-hmm. Don Phillips said endogamy is when there are relations on both sides, and it does affect the results. And that's, that's my point. Yeah, we did. Yeah, endogamy is huge. And and I'm not even going to say just in my family, in it's, 96. It's a huge thing. And with that being said, when I look at my mom's DNA compared to the cousin that I was just talking about, he's this guy is my mother's great-nephew, but he is at almost 1,000 CMs with my mother. Mm-hmm. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, it's not just... It's not, it shouldn't be that high. Yeah. Not not for, uh, not a great nephew, it really shouldn't be that high.
0: But, again, if you have any sort of deep roots in this country, that's kind of what you're going to come up against. Because if anyone had told me that my parents were related to each other, I would have never believed them. But depending on what line you look at, they are either seventh, eighth, ninth, or tenth cousins. And... This is where it gets even more interesting. They don't share common Black ancestry or african descended ancestry. All of their common ancestors to date, European.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's just, a, it's, it's an amazing thing. And I think that's what keeps me in on this whole genealogical search because you start to find out things that's crazy Alinda said whoa that's a sibling when I was talking about my cousin but he really is not a sibling but that's how much DNA he comes in he comes in with so much DNA that's because listen my grandparents were related to each other my grandfather's great-grandmother and my grandmother's grandmother were sisters so when we go down when we go down the line of as far as who my cousin's mother was my cousin's mother was my mother's niece it's his father's side that ends up throwing in that thing that that extra stuff and come to find out they were connected again through the bug and yeldell family so it came right back it's the it's like the same dna coming right back right alinda or first cousin but he's actually her great nephew
0: Thank,
1: Thank you. you Fever. <laughs> yeah, he's actually her great nephew. And it's it's just amazing. And we have so many like that. And that's one of the issues that Brian and I were talking about recently when we were talking about my mom being she is a beautiful 81 year old that when you look at her, you can't tell it. But it's to me, it's almost impossible for her to have a first cousin younger than my daughter who will be 27 this year my daughter so my daughter's already 26 years old and and there's a child that's on her dna list that's about 21 looks looks like she's anywhere between 23 24 25 she looks she she looks very young and this girl can't I I can't I just don't believe that she is my mother's first cousin. I don't believe that my yeah. mom is the baby of 14 meaning she was the last one to be born. How can she have a first cousin that young? I don't see it yep
0: yeah, no she is definitely stumped you. So I guess one thing that I would encourage people to how to approach this instead of claiming your ethnicity percentages as your identity, think about them as hints that you can use. Think about ways that you could actually use that ethnicity to either smash through a brick wall, understand where your people were coming from, even kind of what, what would be the most, what's the word that I'm looking for? What ports, that enslaved Africans were coming into in the Americas, it's perhaps the the earliest part of your origin story. Like I said, that's, that's what I've been doing with mine. That's what was so great about finding out where Venus Jossie actually came from. You know, to have that verified, that made that percentage of my ethnicity make more sense. And I understood that it was actually more relevant. Yeah. I said, these Nigerians, though, they're keeping me hopping. I
1: yeah. So I, <laughs> I think some I, I think you know that name that the first name at the top of my um book, that's that's a Nigerian family and you share with them, if I'm not mistaken. What, what family is that? Wada. But at the top of the book, the, the family name is Abocho A B O C H O. But I'm mm. going I think I think you share with them.
0: Well that would make sense because the Nigerians coming because my dad has like next to none. So that actually makes sense. That that's coming in from Edgefield. Well, ninety-six.
1: Well, this was the family that they thought they were the first generation in this area. How about that one?
0: Oh, okay. And
1: when they <laughs> tested their her dad, her dad is like my mom's third cousin. So it's it's a high match. And then um they, they were, it just threw them completely off because they thought that it was, you know.
0: Well, again, remember, we were, I was really stumped and I asked for years, why do we all, why do so many of us coming out of the 96 have Swedish DNA? Uh, no, no one seemed to know who the Swedish families were. No one knew anything about them. And remember, I just stumbled across it by accident. Actually, the Swedes, the Swedes, the Swedish people we descend from were never in Edgefield. They were in Newbury, which, were part, in Newbury. which was part of the 96. Yep. As soon as I started reading about the Stidham family, settlers of New Sweden, yep. on the East Coast, I'm like, okay, it's taken me 20 years, but yep. I finally have the names of my Swedish ancestors coming out of the old 96.
1: That's right. That's right.
0: That's exactly well, they- still, we're still trying to figure out who the Jewish family in the old 96 was. Because again, a lot of us have traced Jewish ancestry coming back out of the 18th century, out of the 96. Still, I'm still trying to find out who they were. Yeah. A lot of us have that.
1: Yeah, I, I say that to to anybody that's, you know, that's watching, that's tuning in, you would be lucky to be a part. As much as I cuss and fuss and... and and everything when it comes to where my family re- you know family research stems from you guys would be truly lucky to to have to research in that area because I may not be board certified but I'm telling you I about I have about as much information as the next certified person and um and it's all because of Edgefield because I've been given every or let me rephrase that all because of the 96 because both Brian and I both and anybody who works in that area and that includes Labrinda and Alan um, and and Bernice Butler and Natan, all of us ha- Hamad and Loretta we all have gotten so much information Martha and and Missy we've gotten so much information from Edgefield that it is ridiculous the fact that we can get what we've gotten. And and that was the place that made me learn certain things that you would never think to learn about. And I mean, I, I gotta give it his props.
0: I will say that the 96th district of South Carolina has thrown more challenges my way than pretty much, I'm just double checking this before I say it, than pretty much any other county that I've researched, yeah. any, anywhere else.
1: Yep. You just explained Hamad's 3% sweetened DNA. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's
1: what he said.
0: High five, Hamad. Yeah, you <laughs> need to look at the Stidham's, S T I D H A M, out of red. Oh, it's Newberry. I want to call it Red Bush. So it's Red something, Newberry, Quaker community. Right. They're there.
1: <laughs> well, we are five minutes out. Um, oh. I thank I- you guys. For-
0: I'm going to let Donia take the victory lap on this one, but I just want to kind of set her up so that she can take the victory lap on this one. Oh we God. have a show for you on the 17th of this month, 17th of May, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Y'all, we have Jane Elliott. Oh, my God. Two, God. Nine, I I <laughs> Donia, Donia, take your victory lap.
1: you guys, if for those that don't know who Jane Elliott is, Jane Elliott is the, and Google it, Jane Elliott is the creator of the um, the Blue Eyes versus Brown Eye experiment that she did back in the 60s with her third grade class, and then she turned around, and she's been, you know, going through it ever since. And her whole issue is about race and why, and how she believes that there is no such thing as white people we're all one race we're the human race and that was something that my mom taught me forever and um this is just crazy that I'm you guys have no idea how excited I am to be able to have this lady on this show so this show even though on the 17th we're still going to be based on genealogy but um it's, we're gonna we're gonna tackle race in this show this show we're tackling race issues and we want you guys to follow we want you guys to share and most importantly we want you guys to question because this is your opportunity to really talk to someone who digs deep into racial issues and everything and not, um,
0: not only did not only dug into it did it in a time period where that seriously was not a cool thing to do
1: right. I mean, she had things that happened to her children. She was whisked away by a uh, carload of black people to save her life. I mean, they're just things. They're just, she's just awesome. And I'm just extremely excited about that show. So I really hope that you all, you know, check in and everything. Yes, Henry, I am extremely excited. <laughs> I'm extremely excited. So um, yeah. May 17th, and you're gonna see our you're gonna see a lot of push as far as um marketing is concerned when it comes to that, because we want everybody to love, we don't want to miss anyone for this one. So this is the same lady that was on Red Table Talk with Jada Pinkett, if that helps any. And um, yeah, we're gonna prepare you guys for, for that. Thank you, Linda. Linda says she's gonna add it to her calendar. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So So thank you so much for sharing your Sunday with us. I am Brian.
1: Yes, and I'm Donya. And you guys have a great, great day and stay safe. Don't get sick.
0: Absolutely. (laughs)